George McLagan's career in furniture began when he apprenticed in Stratford, Ontario. He would relocate for some time to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where he continued to learn about the furniture industry and, importantly, factory production. Little did he know he would give birth to the McLagan phonograph. Welcome to Dead Wax 78s. I'm your host, Sean, and this is the podcast where we're going to talk about, you know, things that are old-timey music and phonographs and gramophones. Today's show, the McLagan Phonograph Corporation of Stratford, Ontario. It includes excerpts from Blaine McCutcheon's article that can be found at the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society's website. Stratford was superlatively situated to become a furniture center, set within the reach of early magnificent tracks of trees, oaks and pine that were several feet through, maples, birch, black walnut and basswood. It had been built by a river suitable for a sawmill, and with good rail and road connections soon developing, skilled Swiss and German craftsmen from Pennsylvania had already sifted north into Waterloo County. That's where Jacob Hoffman's furniture factory was, the first one established in Berlin, Ontario in 1830, had been turning out work while the first settlers were making their way to the Little Thames. In the furniture tract of Upper Canada, Waterloo, Perth, Oxford and surrounding counties, furniture plants usually originated in one of two predictable ways. A sawmill and planing mill would expand into the manufacturing of windows and door frames, or a cabinet maker would diversify and increase production. Alexander Scrimger and his two sons, David and Alexander Jr., also built many fine homes and buildings of early Stratford. George Porteous joined the firm and developed the furniture wing. When George returned to Stratford, he established McLagan and Porteous with the local businessman Robert Porteous. Porteous retired in 1898 and their original plant on Mill Street, today Douglas Street between Huron Street and St. Vincent Street, burned down on March 1, 1900. A year later, McLagan built a four-story $35,000 factory at 93 Trinity Street in what would become Stratford's factory district. For over 20 years he designed all of his furniture and after 1910 he designed about 50% of it. Here's side one, the Peerless Quartet, When the Sun Goes Down in Dixie, 1917. Oh, gee. oh gee. I want to be, oh, be with 
ride. That's the hour down in deep, deep, when the dark is over night. Hold on to joy and hold it deep, with his hands on the And my little sister Hannah at the old piano, picking up the melody, comes to think about his life. Born and skilled in cabinetry work from his learning years in the furniture mecca of Grand Rapids, Michigan, the young McLagan arrived in town full of plans and enthusiasm. Canadian furniture still was, for the most part, heavy, unoriginal, often with ugly proportions and overpowering lacings of gingerbread decoration. Into this scene came the young George McLagan. Hating the ornate and the fussy, possessing a finely tuned knowledge of how to make furniture strong and substantial, yet graceful in proportions and both simple and dignified. But on the night of March 1st, 1900, George and most of Stratford were packed into the old ice rink where the junior hockey team was playing Peterborough in the second game of a home-on-home OHA playoff series. The Stratford team had a deficit of several goals to make up for, and tension was mounting. Midway through the game, word raced through the rink that Easton's mill is burning. McLagan is on fire too. In minutes, the rink was emptied of a third of its spectators. George McLagan stood on the crowded Huron Street Bridge, with his fellow citizens and watched his factory burn. 
there were rumors that McLegan would move to London. Instead, he asked that his bonds be guaranteed for a proposed new 35,000 four-story factory on Trinity Street. The ratepayers agreed and McLagan in 1901 built the first major plant in the east end of Stratford. The factory is one of the best equipped of its kind in Canada. Not so large as some, but its equipment and convenience are the best that thoughtful, practical knowledge has found necessary. Profiting by former experience of the dire results of want of adequate fire protection, the management have equipped the factory with the latest and most approved system of firefighting appliances. Over 1,200 sprinkler heads connected with the city water mains are circulating throughout the building. Here's side two. American violinist Vera Barstow, Last Rose of Summer, 1921.
In spite of the depression in business, our sales this fall in phonographs and associated lines has been way ahead of those last fall, remarked a furniture retailer to Furniture Journal the other day. It seems strange that it nevertheless true that there are many people who have money for what will entertain them, but not a cent for need furniture, which gives them actual comfort. Nothing will attract the public like music. Therefore, a phonograph department is not only profitable in itself, but many people are attracted to the store. That's from the Furniture Journal in 1915. In 1916, the McLagan Phonograph Corporation Limited introduced a dozen different floor model phonographs with the slogan, The McLagan's Phonograph, It Speaks for Itself, Ask to Hear It. The McLagan factory was a furniture manufacturer and therefore imported the motor, tone arm and reproducers from a third party supplier. The distinct features of a McLagan phonograph are the McLagan Fletcher tone arm and the reproducer from Chicago. This tone arm, recognizable by its distinctive hexagonal shape and movable counterweight to accommodate needle pressure of different record brands. And it's described as, with the faultless acoustics of the McLagan Fletcher six-hole reproducer and the hexagonal tone arm, the scientific perfection of the throat and the suspended all-wood tone amplifier, the precision and delicacy of the tone modifier and automatic stop, the speed adjuster, and the mechanical perfection of the noiseless motor coordinate to make the McLagan phonograph as a medium of music, the outstanding instrument it is. In Edward B. Mook's book, Roll Back the Years, he also adds that McLagan was importing the lateral cut Lyric Records, a record label based in the United States from about 1917 to 1921. The label artwork featured a drawing of a white cat, perhaps inspired by Nipper, seated on a gramophone record with the legend, Never Scratches. Lyric records actually seem to be exactly as prone to scratching as any other shellac 78 recorded in the era. The first Lyric records were vertical cut with an unusual narrow groove that required using steel needles. Related to that used by British Marathon discs, which according to company publicity, yielded a playing time of four and a half minutes per 10-inch side and seven minutes per 12-inch side. Also in Mook's book, Roll Back the Years, during 1917 in Ontario, the George McLagan Furniture Company Limited of Stratford announced the introduction of a strictly high-grade instrument and a superior catalog of 10- and 12-inch records. The lateral cut lyric records from McLagan the lateral cut lyric records from McLagan were among imports that also included Phonotopia, Jumbo, and Odeon from Britain and Italy. In July 1918, the Stratford Beacon wrote, George H. McLagan was sitting in his office chair in the McLagan plant when he fell over dead without warning. The people of Stratford were shocked and saddened to lose such a prominent citizen. Mr. McLagan died at the peak of his career. 
and one of the country's most successful furniture manufacturers, George McLagan, was always actively involved in the manufacturing design of the furniture. In the same year, 1918, the McLagan Company had a display of its phonographs at the Toronto National Exhibition. And by 1928, Stratford made one-sixth of all the furniture in Canada. McLagan further developed the phonograph with the new phonothetic and the dynamic phonographs. Here from an ad in 1927. Only the new phonothetic McLagan can reproduce these musical tales with true and colorful atmosphere because aureoscopic balance and the musical registers give to the new phonothetic McLagan powers of interpretation possessed by no other reproducing instrument. Aureoscopic balance is an exclusive McLagan feature. The McLagan dealer in your vicinity will be pleased to demonstrate for you. If anyone knows the definition of these sales words, please let me know. Here's side three. Part of the whistling and bird imitation craze of the 1910s and 1920s. This is Sybil Sanderson Fagan, The Boy and the Birds, 1920. Thank you. 
The Stratford strike of 1933 in the middle of the Depression is among the most famous in Canadian history. Since Stratford was the main centre for the furniture trade, it became the focus of a union drive by the Workers' Unity League, followed by a strike at five of the largest furniture factories. Joined by the chicken pluckers from Swift Canada Meat Packers, the strike was the last time the army was called into a civil disturbance in Canada until 1969-1970 Quebec crisis. Although the factories opened up the day after the hundred or so soldiers arrived at the armories, no one returned to work. Instead, a rally was held in the park and with the band shelled as a podium and the strike continued for a second month. The only contact between the strikers and the soldiers were the occasional game of softball. Eventually, the workers returned to work with a small wage increase and new management labor shop committees. The McLagan plant was used by the McLagan Furniture Company until 1937. It was vacant from 1937 to the fall of 1939 when the Department of National Defense leased it from the McLagan interests. It was converted into a barracks early in December 1939 when the Perth Regiment moved in. They were seceded in January 1941 by the Royal Netherlands Army and subsequently other small formations occupied the building until it was vacated by June 1944. That's from the Stratford Beacon, 1945. For more information, please check out Keith Wright's The Canadian Antique Phonograph Project at the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society website for specifically to McLagan Phonograph information. Here's side four, Arthur Fields, Oh Helen, considered a rather risky lyrics back in the day. Oh, 
Hotel Hotel and Peep be mine. Your feet, your feet, your feet, your feet, your feet are mighty mine. I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, I will be true. Oh damn, oh damn, oh damn, oh damn, oh damn, I love you. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Sean, and you know what? I'll catch you on the flip side.